Hey guys, Terrell at Chatsons right here. Um, I just had a great conversation with a guy that works on local projects within Stoke. Um, we had a lot of things to say to each other, a lot about the environment, a lot about racism, a lot about um, politics and how it is in modern day. I think this is a really exciting a, a really exciting podcast. So yeah, give it a listen, let me know what you think. Do you mind telling me um, a bit about... Um, who you are, um, give me a short, brief synopsis of who you are, how you came up, and where you're from. Yeah, yeah, you can call me Cass, by the way, for the purposes of the... Okay, cool, Cass. Well. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so... so yeah, so, uh, Cass, yeah. Um, yeah. And where are you from, um, um, growing up? So, yeah, so I was born in uh, Pakistan. Okay. Um, so, uh, uh, I'm 29 years old, and I moved to the UK when I was three years old. Okay. Uh, I go back, you know, semi often. Um, uh, but uh, I live in Stoke-on-Trent uh, for the time being, and uh, I've lived here majority of my life. Um, you know, um, just sort of doing the average sort of nine to five job role, um, and uh, yeah, I just sort of started getting into uh, politics and stuff as I was as I was growing up, and I always wanted to play sort of an active part. So I first started sort of being interested in that through like I joined the Green Party because yeah. um, I wanted to sort of help out with environmental issues and things like that okay. um, but then that kind of left me a bit jaded I think so I ended up sort of working in the community space and trying to find out you know where I could get involved um, and that's when I ended up starting up Sayak because I thought that was the best way to sort of be active you know and I think when you join a political party you shut the door to help from people on the on the other side, you know, or in opposing political parties. Yeah, traditionally... Like, or people that don't maybe share the whole opinion. Yeah, traditionally, I think political parties are quite... Um, if I'm with this party, I don't like people from this party. It's, it's a quite a lot yeah. of gangs, they say, honestly. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, but, but tell me about the project that you work on right now. Um, obviously, it's heavily to do with the Green Party as well. And it's really interesting. Yeah, so um, tell me how it started and um, what you actually do. Okay, yeah, so it's called the, the Sheltered Environmental Awareness Campaign, or SIAC for short. And uh, Shelton is just uh, a small sort of uh, tiny area in Stoke-on-Trent. Um, and uh, how I started off doing that was, um, so in Shelton, it's quite a more, uh, multicultural area. A lot of different types of people, you know, from Africa, Asia, Eastern Europe, and obviously, you know, um, uh, white British people. Um, and um, initially, the issue was that we didn't have any recycling bins, and I thought that wasn't really on, you know. So I, wrote a lot, I did the typical thing of, like, writing to my counsellor, and he come back to me and he said, uh, largely it was down to an education piece, you know, like teaching people about environmental issues and so on. So then I made the group, and it's uh, based around community projects, uh, which help... Um, engage uh, working class people and different communities into project-based work, which helps reduce carbon footprint and also bridge those gaps uh, between communities as well. Um, so our main project at the moment is uh, community allotment, where we grow fruit and veg for um, people in food banks as well. Um, we've also, you know, like hand-blooded like, uh, fruit to uh, like homeless people as well on the street. Um, and uh, we've also done other things that like we've worked with uh, the Canal and Rivers Trust, which is a national charity um, on, on litter picks. And we also did a free cycle store where we donated uh, 
uh, CDs and clothes for people. So, um, you know, stuff that would have already, uh, which would have otherwise been on landfill. We just made it so that, you know, somebody could go, oh, that's interesting to me. So I'm going to take that as opposed to throwing it away, which the other person would have done. So, yeah, I mean, it's completely apolitical. So anyone from any background or any ideology can join. That's just about, you know, finding people to help. So, so you know what, um, at the beginning, when you actually started this project, did you meet any resistance at all? Because I'm guessing that not everybody um, thinks that um, being green is the best thing. I know some people for absolutely no reason, they have an irrational fear or just an irrational opinion on being green. So did you meet any, um, and anyone opposing you? You know what's actually quite interesting? A lot of, I wouldn't say opposition as such, because I think the project itself is pretty, you know, um, even if you don't necessarily believe in, you know, um, what's going on with the environment right now, you know, if we're talking about uh, growing uh, fruit and veg for people, or handing out, uh, you know, free things that would have otherwise been thrown away, like, you can't really argue with that. But I've faced a lot of, I guess, again, not opposition, but uh, people that were a bit... Uh, Maybe they didn't think it was the right way forward or their right way forward. And that was mostly on the left. So that was most of you sort of typical protest type groups, like, uh, you know, your Extinction Rebellions and your things like that. They kind of, I think they wanted to focus more on this idea that, um, you know, it was down to uh, big business and it was down to, you know, the uh, national government, which I do agree that that is part of the problem. But I think um, just that whole idea of, of citizenship and obviously working with people who kind of, I guess, ideologically are opposed to to some of the people that would ordinarily volunteer. Like I, I mentioned to you before we started recording about how we've been helped out from the local council and that's, you know, a Tory-led council. You know, most of the um, people that volunteer are left-leaning and we've, you know, received funding from the Police and Crime Commission. So that just shows you, you know, that, the, you know, sometimes I guess it's more the apolitical nature that people kind of butt heads over rather than, you know, this is something that we're trying to do to help, um, you know, underprivileged people, uh, you know, in the uh, in the city. Yeah, I think that's that's partially to do with the, the kind of gang mentality that I was talking about a bit earlier as well. That, um, if you're a part of one party, anything that the other party does, you're, you're, con- you're kind of completely against it. It doesn't matter if it's right or wrong. So when people see someone that's a Tory maybe helping you guys out, they're completely against the idea, even though it could be beneficial to what you're doing. Yeah, 100%. And uh, I think that party politics, when it comes to on a local level, there's obviously going to be, there's obviously like abhorrent things and there's things that I don't agree with that this government has done, you know, um, and in terms of on a national scale. But then the alternative to that for me is, is engaged citizens, you know, is people backing that, you know, 100%, you know, and being able to see that, you know, if there are these issues in my area, in my town, in my city, as opposed to sort of getting bent out of shape, looking up uh, stuff on social media, you know, if you actively, you know, take charge of your own um, destiny in your own area, you tend to find that these divisions that you think are there are actually nothing more than just, you know, a lack of communication, you know, uh, as I say, you know, one of my good friends, you know, I have good friends that are like, you know, in the Labour Party, I have good friends that are in the Conservative Party. And, you know, in terms of ideologically, they differ, you know, but realistically, if they're just on about benefiting people of the city, and if they're on about benefiting the cause, then they should be able to, 
share and air out those feelings. Uh, I'm really interested in this idea of, of, of conversation. You know, I think that, you know, even on, even in our cultures, you know, like me being an Asian guy, um, you know, there's like issues in my culture that other people don't understand and that people don't talk about. You know, there's issues in like, um, you know, in like white British culture, which people don't necessarily talk about. And the best way to address these things is through, you know, engaging citizens to like work together and, you know, share time and share their grievances and share what they're, what they're going through, you know? Yeah, 100%. Um, 100%. I think you said quite a few interesting things there. Um, obviously, I know Stoke on Trent's um, a relatively small city, and obviously, being a yeah. Pakistani um, um, growing up there, I'm guessing it couldn't have been easy, um, especially because you moved there at the age of three. So, I'm guessing that you went to school, secondary school, and you've done a whole journey through there. Um, yeah. Um, it's kind of unrelated, but quickly, do you mind just talking about that? Yeah, so um, I went. Um, I got a bursary uh, to go to a predominantly white um, private school. Okay. Uh, I know probably people have opinions about that, but you know, um, it was a predominantly white school. I never really faced any kind of um, racism in that school, but I know that kind of in the area, there are definitely schools that are like majority Asian or majority white and stuff like that. And um, in terms of in the state school, I reckon there is definitely like problems there but I think I was quite lucky in the sense of where I went to school people were quite sort of open-minded and I never really faced any sort of negativity from from a sort of a racial perspective it was more as I got older I became more aware of it you know I'm obviously like I'm a millennial so um you know I'm I was still in school when say like 9-11 happened and stuff and I noticed the shift in kind of like people asking me questions about you know our religion or um, you know, um, my parents' religion, so they say, you know, and, uh, you know, uh, all those kind of things started coming up a, a sort of a bit more as I became, you know, hit 16, 17, 18. Um, but yeah, I mean, um, I ended up going to university sort of in the area as well, uh, Kiwi Uni, um, and I did my undergrad there, and I did English and modern history, and I learned uh, about, uh, you know, from emancipation to civil rights. Um, I learned about, you know, um, post-colonial history. Yeah. You know, I learned about all these kind of like quite sort of left-wing ideologies, but just just sort of understanding, you know, where, how, how even Pakistan came to be a country, learning about the, the colonies in, in Britain from um, from the past and stuff like that. And that was that was a really big influence on my political views as well. Okay, I think that's really interesting. And, you know, just to take it back to your project as well, um, mm-hmm. um, have you ever, um, well, because with your projects, you have any and every group of people working together. Have you ever mm-hmm. faced racism while working on your project? Yes. Yeah, so, um, not outright to me. I've uh, heard it before. So there was a guy on the floor, sort of opposite us who was helping us out and I think he made a comment to one of the other volunteers and he seemed quite standoffish towards me initially. You know, even when he was talking about helping us, he would never talk directly to me. He'd speak directly to one of the other people and, you know, he's a working class dude, you know, Um, and yeah, I kind of got a bit of a vibe, but instead of just kind of, you know, uh, I guess meeting that with hostility, I guess like, you know, as he saw me working there, we ended up talking and, um, 
Yeah, and there was one occasion actually, one of the volunteers from the Canal and Rivers Trust was talking to me about um, asylum seekers and how, you know, I just made a comment about how they're like, um, you know, thieves and stuff like this. And and then actually it was due to his lack of education in the area, you know, because he was, you know, volunteering. And I said, you know, there's this other charity in Shelton where they help integrate, you know, asylum seekers into Britain. They, they help them to sort of, you know, learn about the culture, learn about the language, and they do like lit effects and things like what you're doing to help out your area, these asylum seekers are doing as well, and they're trying to learn. And, you know, I saw I saw the cogs turning in his mind, you know what I mean? And it was just because he didn't know, even though it was like less than a mile away from where he was, that there was this other charity, there was other group of people, you know, that were doing the same thing, and they were asylum seekers those were the same people that he was I guess afraid of or he had these you know perceptions about so I just find those conversations really interesting you know yeah definitely I, I think it's important that we have these conversations because just how um those people are are literally just miseducated there's some people that just lack the experience of interacting with people um there's people that yeah. have no idea what it, what it is to actually be a different race I mean um, yeah. maybe not so much Stoke on Trent, um, but there's lots of little cities around England that still don't have many black people at all. There's lots of, of people in England that haven't seen uh, a lot of ethnic minorities in person. So I think yeah. it's a, a really Im- important thing that we need to do in today's society. Um, definitely have these conversations, um, talk to each other about um, about our experiences, literally just relate to each other. I mean, at the end of the day, I think... There's some completely abhorrent things that have happened. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, go on. Yeah, I think, I think we both know there's people in the world that are literally just racist and they won't change their minds about race just out of pure ignorance. Um, but I think it's a duty mm-hmm. that we have to educate the people that actually just don't have an idea because if we don't do that duty, eventually those people could be the people that violently attack or mistreat someone that we... Like we know or someone that we don't know yeah. because of their ethnicity or because of something else yeah so that's my personal opinion on that um but i think it's a really good i agree with that yeah. yeah yeah i, I mean yeah. conversations are the, the key thing right now in my opinion this, i was gonna say yeah you know there's some completely like historically in britain some completely abhorrent things that have happened as a result of you know racism and and stuff that's really really deep rooted you know and um but I, and I would never, ever, you know, condone any of that behavior. I think that, like you say about the communication aspect, you know, people go to the extremes when they don't communicate with the other side. You know, when you're in an extreme kind of echo chamber, you know, and you kind of go deeper and deeper into it. You know, there's a, there's a big line between somebody that thinks the opinions of, of that guy about the sort of asylum seekers and like a neo-Nazi, like there's a big leap there, you know, in the same way as there would be a big leap between somebody who like of the Islamic faith who would kind of only associate with Muslim people. And then probably the extreme of that would be him being radicalized. And this is a British problem, you know, radicalization of young people on both sides, whether it be on the white side or on the, you know, on the BAME side, you know, this is, inherently a British problem and I think when we sort of cast it off as like you know that's an Asian problem that's a white problem that's a black problem then I think that's when we really struggle to find the root causes of these issues and that's when the conversation ends you know because we're kind of pushing it 
under the rug and we're like taking away the responsibility that we have to try and improve that dialogue. Yeah, I, I think that's a really important conversation that the UK needs to have as well because I think a lot of the time because we, um, because a lot of people decide to just get on as in they, they um, decide to accept that each other are there and they're not necessarily are violent to each other. We just think that nobody's actually racist. But in reality, in the UK, what we have a lot of is um, coded racism where we have people that, um, they, they, like how you said that guy wouldn't talk to you directly, um, how there are people that will kind of just treat you a tiny bit different than, than everyone else. I mean, in school, yeah. I, I have my suspicions, like some very heavy suspicions that a lot of my teachers were racist. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. in reality, um, it's hard to tell unless someone actually says something or does something directly to you. Um, but in the UK, yeah. I think that's something that we really need to work on. It's something we need to have conversations about just to educate each other mm. and just check each other on those little things that we get wrong. Yeah, completely, 100%. It's like um, what I was mentioned to you again, just this is before we started. Got, I got through a lot before we recorded, but um, I was mentioning, you know, Truth and Reconciliation Commission in uh, South Africa, you know, that was people sitting down on national TV talking about how they had contributed to this negative, you know, uh, or contributed to like the hatred that was felt between races during apartheid, you know, and, you know, some Mandela and Desmond Tutu, they, made a point to keep parts of, you know, the white culture alive because they didn't want to create a resentment. They didn't want to just be fighting, you know, for the rest of their lives and you know, for generations to come. They wanted to create an atmosphere where everyone could, you know, as long as they weren't being hateful, could have their own thing, have their own culture, and these cultures could then integrate. Yeah. You know, I think that's like a really big influence on me. I 100% agree. I mean, we all treasure our own cultures, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing coming from Pakistan when you're young as well, that, that you're um, attached to your culture. I mean, I mean I'm, I'm Jamaican, yeah. so um, you, I'm from Jamaica, but I'm, I'm, I'm born here. But at the same time, I'm still mm. attached to Jamaican culture. Um, I, I, might, I, might not yeah. be, I might not be acting like I'm the typical Jamaican, but believe me, in, in my own spare time, I love, I love to just reminisce about certain things that Jamaica has to offer, or even yeah. research things that I actually don't know about my country. Um but yeah, mm. I think that's something really important as well. Um, I, I want to ask you a, a sure, yeah. about your project as well, because uh, when it comes yeah. to these projects, um, that obviously they start off with an intention, but I, I want to know what your angle kind of is with it. Is it just about um, helping people learn so they can supply for themselves, um, and while you're doing that, reducing the carbon footprint, or um, is there more to it? Um, what, what is it that you're actually aiming for? Um, for me, it's just about uh, bringing working class people into the into the fold when it comes to you know like um, active change and stuff like that. Because I think that you know um, there's been a lot of talk about how you know uh, there's been kind of like a, a death of the working class, kind of um, you know with their ideas and with their opinions and stuff. I think that people were on the left and on the right or sort of re- rejecting the working class and they're kind of like they're, like, they're not to be trusted, you know. Like they're all either racist or they're all either, you know, Brexit supporters or they're all either, you know what I mean? Like, uh, and they're seen really negatively. Yeah. So I think it's just bringing people together from that, uh, um, from that idea that, you know, 
working class people are like just this like one monolith and I think it's uh, it's about environmental issues first and foremost and it's about creating this project so that we can help bring people into that discussion so it's not just oh well you know you shouldn't be you know using your car as much you shouldn't be doing this as much it's more about well actually you can do this and there are all these projects involved that can help bring together people I think um, that's a really major thing bringing the community feel back to you know um, uh, Stoke-on-Trent and back to Shelton you know and, and sort of showing that you know even if language is a barrier even if political ideology is a barrier you know we can smash that and we can you know uh, build those communities and break down those stereotypes that people might have and I think just it's just about an overall like about the general happiness as well of people, I think. Um, yeah. I think there's definitely parts of Silicon Trend which are quite negative. And, um, you know, when we hear certain local news stories pop up, we're quick to kind of like uh, complain, uh, you know, the politicians, quick to complain to the councillors. But it's just this whole idea of, uh, you know, a- active citizens and, and people's forums as well, where giving people an opportunity where they can sit and they can actively talk about the issues that they're having, you know? Yeah. And I think that is just the main, that, that is just the main thing, giving working class people, giving people a voice and showing them that, you know, hey, there are all these people doing all these really cool things in your area and you thought it was just, you know, it was dead out here, but it really, really wasn't, you know, there was so much going on. Like, I've found so many really positive groups like there's obviously Asher, who I mentioned, who are, uh, you know, um, helping asylum seekers integrate into the UK, yeah. helping them, you know, um, get a ladder up. And then there's like, um, there's like a nursery uh, for like helping inner city kids, uh, you know, uh, learn more about outdoors called Stepping Stones, um, you know, doing like outdoor activities and stuff, which, um, you know, as an Asian kid, like I was never exposed to that, you know, growing up. Um, there's uh, you know other community groups that are helping out like donating surplus food to food banks as well there's another one called Atruvia Matters as well so working with all these really really amazing people and they're all on our doorstep you know and I think it's showing that to the younger generation showing that to the I guess the, uh, the older generation as well that actually you know things things aren't as bad as what you maybe first perceived yeah. <laughs> Okay, I think that's really interesting as well. I mean, um, I, I think I, I want to get your, um, well, because you would have a lot more experience on this than me. Um, for, mm. every, for everyone listening out there, um, is, is there anything that people should regularly do to kind of reduce their carbon footprint or anything that, that they can do that's just a slight change that can potentially make a difference? Because um, Yeah, be so there's a couple of things, yeah. Yeah, it's going to yeah. be people listening to this all across the UK. Um, so um, anything that you have that can just let them change little things, um, yeah, just let them know. Yeah, so, I mean, if you're living in shared accommodation, one of the biggest things that you can do to help reduce your carbon footprint is cook together. I know it sounds really, really simple, but yeah. waste food and waste packaging, that contributes to a massive you know, amount of, um, you know, uh, uh, pollution and, uh, you know, weight and uh, obviously waste uh, and plastics sort of being used. So, yeah, you know, cook together, uh, cook, uh, you know, uh, with, with your next door neighbor sometimes, you know, and make sure that, you know, you make you make big parts of food for everyone that can also help you, you know, get to know your neighbors as well. Um, 
other things you can do is uh, carpooling, you know, carpooling to work. If you've got people that sort of live around your neighborhood, like, you know, and they work with you, you know, pick them up and, and, and drive them um, there, you know. You could also, you know, even even if it's something as, as small as, uh, you know, starting up your own apartment space or anything like that, yeah. that's something that people can do. I guess it's just all about the idea of just reducing the amount of things that you that you consume or that you think you're going to consume. You know, um, planning out meals again is another really good thing. Just uh, don't don't overindulge. And when it comes to you know when you're throwing stuff away, you know when you're having like those big spring cleans and stuff like that, think about how this thing could be of use to another person. So trade out, trade things with people. Your neighbours, you know, um, you know, maybe go into a charity shop, you know, and and donate your stuff there because what you think might be junk to someone might not be junk to another person, you know. I think a lot of people are, during lockdown have been doing DIY stuff yeah, as well. So you know, if you're like if something, you know, if like you got a broken table or something like that, and you're thinking of just chucking it out, you know, see if there's anyone that would potentially use that for like okay. you know parts for some for a project that they're doing. So. It all starts with communication, I think, and uh, just being able to sort of be more conscious of the things that you throw away and where you're throwing them away. Yeah. I think everything that you said is is really simple things that people might see as huge things before they do it. But if you actually do it, then it's not something complicated. Like you said, something you said things like um, sharing rides to work, um, maybe even sharing accommodation if you want. Um, I, I think... Especially these things like sharing accommodation. If you're young, that shouldn't really be a problem. People should share accommodation because it helps you save money. You're helping the environment. Um, if you if you work yeah. with someone, again, it, it saves money, helps the environment. Yeah. It's, it's really simple things. Yeah. Yes, so that's that's really interesting. Um, uh, I'm gonna ask you two more questions. Um, the the, the first I'm gonna ask you is completely unrelated, but it, I want I'm really interested to see your point of view. Um, so yeah. right now in the UK we have something crazy going on with the royal family and with Meghan Markle and um, all the um, and all the controversy going on in the, in the royal family. Um, I just want to know your kind of opinion on on that situation. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing with with that and with so many other things, with, uh, specifically the Meghan Markle situation, we have a predominantly uh, right-wing media, and that's the that's the kind of most of the media that we consume on a mainstream level is 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 right-wing, and so it will always have that that lean, you know, because it's the thing that sells and the things that people interact with the most. Because yeah. if you have like a right-wing newspaper in the UK and it shares an opinion about a royal, and that opinion is based on, you know, race or based on you know right um, that kind of view. Point, then it's going to stir up the left and stir up the right as well, and it's going to, you know, it's going to annoy a lot of people. And it's going to make a lot of people angry and annoyed. It's going to create that division. So I think when it comes to things like, you know, Harry and Meghan wanting to sort of move away, wanting to sort of, you know, move out of the spotlight of the royal family, that's something that should be celebrated. Okay, it's yeah. not, you know, um, sort of just people should be persecuted for that. I mean, they're saying that like we're good. We don't need. You know this backing or this funding from 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 you guys. We can do this ourselves, um, you know. And I think um, a lot of people, you know, they care about the royal family. They see it as a institution. They see it as like something to be uh, proud of. But I think like 
you can still be proud of an institution and not have to kind of fund it yourself, you know? 100%. Well, I think a lot of the opinions on, on Meghan Markle are just kind of, as I say, just because of media spin and uh, newspapers just, um, you know, painting a portrait of, of a person who is of a certain, uh, um, you know, colour and of a certain background and kind of painting her out to be a, a really bad person. And they've been out for Harry, I think, for a long time. He's always kind of rejected, you know, um, the kind of the, the limelight, I think, even growing up, you know, I mean, obviously in the ways that his you know mother was loved and in the way that she ultimately uh, died, you know, that was largely down to media as well. So it doesn't surprise me that one or, one or both of them didn't want to sort of step away from that limelight. 100%, I agree, I agree. Um, and the last question I was going to ask you is, where anybody that's listening and wants to get involved in a group project, well, that's in the UK, um, do you have any advice on how they can find something like what you're doing in their local area? Yeah, so uh, a couple of things you can do. Obviously, you can jump on jump online on Facebook and uh, you know, find if there's like a community uh, um, organization that's already ongoing in your area. You know, um, just sort of type in the name of your area on the search bar and then that should come up with, with things that are already going on. Um, alternatively, you can write to your local councillor um, send them an email and uh, you can tell you about the stuff that's going on in the area um, yeah and uh, I think those are the two main things that you can do and it's uh, really really easy to do really really quick to do I think not, uh, most of the time as well if you have uh, you know an engaging uh, counsellor or you know an engaging council then they'll get back in touch with you they'll let you know what's going on and then you can just sort of jump on those projects um, and yeah um, same thing with the social media thing really Okay, um, I think that's really great. So for anybody that wants to get involved in a local project, um, follow those steps, um, get, in, get in touch with your local councillors, check on Facebook, check online. Um, as well, before we finish up, um, is there any questions um, Is there any questions you want to ask me or is there anything that you want to say to anyone that's listening? Um, no, I just wanted to sort of get more of your idea. Like, I mean, do you think that maybe... Um, maybe there's like people around you or maybe you specifically do you think maybe you have a kind of like a bit of a uh, an idea about people who have uh, different opinions from yourself or have you ever caught yourself kind of mistrusting people based on their political ideologies yourself or or do you do, you, do or, or people around you maybe um i think yes and no so um Growing up, I was always very cautious of people because of their political ideology. I mean, growing up, I was taught if you believe this, you're most likely to be a racist. So I'm going to keep straight yeah. away from you. I mean, and I don't yeah. think I was wrong to be taught that because I did actually say no. myself quite a few times um, just to yeah. be cautious of people. Um, but at the same time, it, it, it is wrong to judge people like let's say for the environment, for example, um, if someone believed that the environment was a huge problem and me to assume they're a racist off that, it's completely wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, yeah. modern day, I actually have a lot of people that disagree with my opinions and we have conversations about it, which is one of the reasons why I started this podcast as well, just to have regular conversations about people that you disagree with and yeah. you can just kind of understand each other's opinions because I think that's the key thing when it comes to what we're going through in today's moderate, um, modern day. Um, you need to actually understand where people are coming through because in, in my opinion, I think 
almost 90% of people have the best intention, but let's have different solutions. Mm. And then all you're arguing is over which solution is the best. So mm. if that's the only problem, you, sh- you really shouldn't be arguing. You should just be talking and understanding and understanding each other to come to a conclusion of what is the best solution and going about executing that. Uh, yeah, but that, yeah. that's a, my that's my opinion in general. Um, it was. No, great. I agree with you. Huh? Yeah, one hundred percent. I think that's the the key thing um, in modern day. But uh, yeah, it was great having you on this podcast. Um, I'm gonna give you a call later on. I'm gonna hang up the phone with you now, okay? And then I'll yeah, give, yeah. I'm gonna give you a call back in around about two minutes or so. All right. All right. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Thanks, Sarah. All right. Cheers, cool. Bye. Hey guys. Um, if you managed to reach the end of this podcast, thank you. Um, as always, the one thing I'm going to ask is if you did like it or you got something of value, um, can you just please share it to someone that would also get something of value or that you think would also like listening to this podcast? Um, other than that, thank you for listening. See you later.